The Talking Cure, Conversations with Jet Wheeler, is presented by the Office of Arts and Cultural Programming and Peak Performances at Montclair State University. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's Jed Wheeler. Welcome to The Talking Cure, remote. I hope you're all well. I miss you all. We will get together as soon as possible, sometime, and I hope, please. Right now, I'm with Ruth Wickler. Ruth is Deputy Director of Programming Circus Arts for Tohu, which is based in Montreal. Uh, Ruth is an American. Um, she grew up in Wisconsin. She studied in New York City. She's raised a family in Portland, and now she's expanding awareness of circus from Montreal. Welcome, Ruth. How are you today? Thank Glad you. to see you and hear you. <laughs> nice to see you too. Yeah, doing all right. Tell us about tohu. It, it sounds like a food substance. <laughs> <laughs> food for the soul. So what is um, what's so to, Tohu is the name of a place and the place is a venue uh which is a round a circular venue in Montreal which is the uh, North America's sole specialized presenter of contemporary circus. And Tohu also runs a summer festival called the Montreal Complètement Cirque Festival which is the premier inter, uh, international contemporary circus festival in North America. So uh, Tohu is the mecca for contemporary circus presenting uh, in North America, I would say. Well, I, I've heard you and others describe Montreal as the Hollywood of circus. Montreal is the global uh, hub, is a global hub for circus. And when it comes to the circus industry, it is the global hub for circus. And that's primarily because of the magic and the enterprise of uh, Cirque du Soleil. Am I right? Uh, the, yes, the large corporation of Cirque du Soleil and its many activities, um, having a headquarters in Montreal is indeed a major feeder for, uh, it's a hub for the industry. Now that brings us straight into the current moment. <laughs> well, if that's what you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if, if I'm part of this conversation is because for one thing, I mean, I've been um, delving into what contemporary circus has become. I'm a little late to the plate. On the other hand, I did start off with um, many years ago working with uh, Victoria Chaplin and Jean-Baptiste Thierry in their wonderful Le Cirque Imaginaire. But that was 34 years ago. Um, and more recently, Peak Performances uh, has had the great pleasure of presenting uh, Raphael Boitel. Uh, but since then, uh, through your um, advice and direction, I've been discovering how amazing contemporary circus is and how vital it is and how innovative it is. And um, I am apt to say that what circus is today is not what anybody really thinks circus is. So from your point of view, because you're in the, the, you're in the hub of it, you are in the, the heartbeat of it, what is circus now? 
Okay. And, and I, I would like to preface my answer by saying that the COVID pandemic crisis has had a huge impact on circus and what there may be a before and after. So I'm going to speak about the before. Please, that's a great place to start. Okay. Um, so basically, I would say that, you know, there's, there's been um, the development of circus since the era that you're talking about was the beginnings of what we call in contemporary circus. And so the, that was the idea that the fundamental transition that happened was that it used to be that if you went into circus, you went into it because you were born into a circus family. And the big radical change that happened in the 70s, mainly in France, was that you could then, you could, uh, circus schools were founded. And so an individual who wasn't born into a circus family, but yet was attracted to the art form and wanted to be, could become a circus artist by training. So that fundamental shift, the creation of the Fratellini School in France, and then the creation of the National Circus School in Montreal, which was in the early 80s, um, and other circus schools popping up around, uh, around the world, um, created this possibility that a person could choose to become a circus artist. And before that, that was not necessarily the case. So then you have different generations of people kind of coming through and, and developing um, aesthetics uh, through circus as an on-purpose art form. And um, also you have the rise of the uh, circus entertainment industry as a, as a uh, remunerative uh, practice, kind of like vaudeville or other kind of you know, commercial entertainment, cabaret and things. So with that, you then also have people who are able to make a living as a circus artist, just like you would as, a, as an actor who can work commercially and also um, in nonprofit theater. So these, this, this whole ecosystem develops. And then what you also see is you see different countries where the art form has more support than other countries. And so you have the kind of um, amazing miracle of France where you have public healthcare. So you don't have, you know, you have intermittence for artists so that they don't have to, they have a universal basic income that's attached to the fact that they have regular, um, you know, a certain number of performances a year. So they don't have to worry about that. Then you have creation centers, residency centers, you have centers that are um, just for circus artists who just graduated from circus school, but they haven't yet joined a company. It's that interstitial phase, all these levels of support to kind of uh, accompany an artist through their process of training and then through their process of um, discovery of their voice and then through their creation of companies. And then you have theaters that are willing to book them and, and, and festivals specialized in circus of which you attended. And um, so these are, these are systems of support that are, that develop in certain countries. Um, France is a great one. Uh, Montreal, Quebec has developed with, you know, very much in tandem with the rise of Cirque du Soleil and the National Circus School and then the institution I work for, Tohu, which is the, the presenter. Um, and then uh, a number of European countries and then Australia has a very, very strong circus um, movement also. With children's, they have uh, the opportunity for kids to go to circus school from when they're very, very small and go all the way up through teenage years, uh, becoming better and better at circus. And then they, when they turn 18, they're suddenly circus professional oh. grade circus artists. Before we talk, you talk about what is happening to circus right now. Talk a little bit, of, compare the United States and circus in the United States to circus in 
Quebec and France and other parts of Europe and Australia. Um, it, there's a stark comparison in my mind, but I, from your perspective, why, why is there such a difference? Well, one thing, uh, the, these different countries having different policies around how to nurture artists really comes out, it comes out in aesthetics and it comes out in uh, multi, you know, quantity of companies, stability of companies, quality of work. It kind of manifests in all these different ways. So if we look at this robust system in France, um, actually people graduate from circus school in France knowing that they're going to have a kind of full career path of discovering new aesthetics ahead of them that they can you know, craft new statements. And so Raphael Boitel and, and her peers are coming into that, um, are in that system where they know that there's a, um, an ecosystem that supports artistic risk and innovation. Um, the, the Quebec system is, is some version of that. It's definitely like a North American version of that in the sense that um, there's vastly more support from the government for individual artists to create works um, than there is in the U.S., um, at least for government sources. Uh, that you don't need a, you know, you can be an individual artist who applies for a significant production grant to create something new, and you could be in circus for that. Um, and at the same time, they have, because they have the, the Cirque du Soleil kind of corporate behemoth, that, that has, you know, created a bit of a dichotomy between the independent Well, do you think in the United States that circus is hampered by the idea that it's meant to be family entertainment, that that, is hold, that holds it back, that it's, uh, there's, there is no, there's no creative through line the way you find in France or Quebec, uh, it's sort of meant to be self-sustaining and, it, and it's basically an entertainment, something that you find um, at uh, the plaza at Damrosh Park in uh, New York City at Lincoln Center, or maybe, I mean, there are no, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey doesn't exist anymore. Um, well, I think, I think the United in States the U.S. go the other way. In the U.S. you see something, you have something that reflects all the performing arts in the U.S., but, but in the particular case of circus, probably suffers from a few extra, extra problems. So, in the U.S., you know, Cirque du Soleil has, has had, and I'm saying before the, the pandemic, you know, these incredible uh, successes in Las Vegas, right? So if you're a circus artist trying to make a living, most likely you might want to go to Las Vegas and get a year-round, seven-year contract, you know what I mean? So this is more, yes, it's entertainment. It's, a, it's well, the entertainment business. Circus well, as the entertainment the business. Or you, a more um, controversial aspect of this is then you become a circus artist and you get on a carnival cruise and travel the Caribbean or the Mediterranean as a circus artist. But it's, mm -hmm. still, it's still a diversion. It's still an entertainment. And what I've discovered, and part of it has to do with the uh, MIC, which is the um, annual event that that you, in fact, uh, are artistic director of and develop, They're bringing new ideas to new performers, new people and new presenters. I mean, circus is so much more than that now. It's not just sure. virtuosity. And if you think about, if you think about what I'm describing is um, a friend of mine, uh, Adam Woolley, who teaches at a circus school in Philadelphia, um, he, he compared the, a circus artist uh, to a musician. 
which I think was an apt comparison in the sense that, you know, a circus artist has their skills that they have developed over time, rigorous, through rigorous practice, you know, and they can bring those skills into a variety of settings, whether it's a bar mitzvah party, you know, like if you do the musician analysis, you know, gig that pays a lot of money or experimental music ensemble. And a circus artist could do the same thing with their circus skills. They could bring it into a corporate party. They could bring it into a Las Vegas show. They could bring it into an artistic experimental circus. So those, the individual artists, and when I say artists, I mean like interpret, um, uh, I don't know what the English would be, the performer, performer, we're going to say. The performer, like a musician or like an actor, can bring those skills into lots of different circumstances. Then you say, okay, what is the ecos- what does the sector look like in terms of artistic versus entertainment? And whereas, um, uh, well, I would say that in the U.S., since the systems of support for stable cre- companies to create devised work, whether it's dance, theater, anything else, but circus is sort of the, the outlier on that front because it's sort of um, not as well known and suffers from some of the stereotypes that you just mentioned. Um, it's hard to make a company in the U.S. It's hard to keep a stable company in the U.S. that creates new work that's in sync with new trends and tendencies. And um, it's really rough. There aren't good systems uh, available to artists in general. Well, so this is true across the nonprofit performing arts um, Whereas well, in other countries, you see, you see companies that have, that can, in circ- there's much more support for stable companies and circuits in, in certain countries. Well, I, I would venture, not just because we're having this conversation, but it's my impression that circus is probably the most alive performance experience that anybody can have as a member of an audience. And that it has the capacity and the ability to draw the most diverse audience possible together in one place for an event. Um, It is both, um, it is high and it is low. Um, It it crosses uh, every demographic that I can think of. It is, um, frankly, racially, ethnically, socioeconomically inclusive in ways that um, the other art forms, so to speak, and I have deep respect for dance, music, theater, and opera because I work with all of them. But, uh, but circus is manifesting itself in a way that um, brings more people together. Having said that, we're in, in an era in which people cannot get together, mm-hmm. cannot come together. Um, and they're being asked to, in fact, do the opposite. Um, and circus is so much uh, of the imagination. It's so much about literally, you know, a, a group of people getting in, the, in, a, in a truck and a van and pulling everything together and going to the center of town and setting up and beating a drum and shouting, come see me. But today, people are being told, no. Hmm. How is that affecting you? And how is that affecting the circus community you're so committed to? Hmm. I, I think that your uh, circus doesn't live as well online for art forms, at least not on first glance. Artists 
will, I think, you know, artists are doing a lot of um, uh, inventing and, and being creative. And I'm sure they will start integrating questions of what would what would this circus aspect look like online and things. But for, for, for at first glance, circus is, is uh, better live than online for sure, I would say. Um, circus is also very versatile and circus artists are versatile and it could be that, you know, a circus can be done outdoors. It doesn't need a plot. It doesn't need rapt attention. It's a popular, it has its roots in popular art as a popular art form. So there are certain ways that circus can be the first out the gate, as long as it doesn't adhere to needing certain structures to, uh, you know, reemerge and certain amounts of money. Money is, a, is an important, uh, important <laughs> factor, right? So, so for example, um, if you look at the, the, you know, the model of Cirque du Soleil, which laid off 90% of its, uh, 95% of its employees in, uh, right after the, the lockdown started, um, you know, that was uh, based on furnished, you know, a product for commercial, based on demand for, a, you know, people wanted to pay a lot of money to have a certain experience. That was then found kind of very quickly, like there isn't demand, so we can't do this, you know. So those are kind of, that, that kind of structure has went away, at least for now. In the meantime, uh, you know, the circus arts, the capacity of people to, you know, do, take people's breath away by doing something physically um, can be placed in public space with, you know, with unusual audience fig configurations. It's in fact much more versatile um, than uh, many other art forms, which even an art form that requires sustained attention over time uh, for a plot, for example, for a story, circus doesn't need that, you know. Um, uh, circus also can can work at, at scales. Can be high, very very high physically. Use vertical space. Can re, you know? Could be meet you at your balcony level. There was a on circus National Circus Day in Canada it was April or International Circus Day. I think it was April 18th. Um, a call went out on social media that said uh, "Circus in your balcony," and it asked circus artists to go out on their balconies and film them doing some kind of circus thing on their on their balconies and sort of share it on uh, on social media. And in fact, this was um, there was these lovely little creations that were that were made in that moment. So, in in some ways, artistically, it has capacity to be as malleable as you need it to be for these current circumstances. Well, right now, that's people are responding to this moment. But in three months, six months, eight months, twelve months, um, things will be different. But there won't be there will be constraints. Um, we're not. I do not believe that within the next year um, or more, we will be able to congregate audiences the way we have in the past. Um, and circus, I mean, in some ways, has the opportunity to set up anywhere. Yeah. They have, there, there is a kind of, if there is such a thing as a DNA for circus artists, yeah. it's basically to, to do it and show it and see what happens. And yeah. You know, and pass a hat. I mean, um, I know that the circus, I mean, historically, that's what circus was. I mean, mm -hmm. um, people traveled from town to town, set up on the edge of town, may, hoping the town fathers and would not kick them out and they would be able to come in and, and show their tricks, literally. And um, I wouldn't call it begging, but you'd be passing the hat and that you would be sustained for that day. 
Um, so there's that aspect of circus, but there's still, you know, I mean, but it's still going in another direction, which is it's, it is a fascinating art form that's evolving, that's growing, um, that's discovering. And I'll, I'll be very cautious with this word because I don't, it, it could inflame, but it's discovering its depth mm-hmm. in a way that um, the general public um, would not normally perceive circus. I mean, um, the work that I've been experiencing, and a lot of it through your advice, um, uh, at least pointing me in the right direction, I'm stumbling around and discovering something. <clears throat> There's tremendous emotional um, substance to what contemporary circus artists are exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, they're going inward in an art form that is uh, always been known to be outward. And it's that paradox that I find so compelling about circus. Mm. Um, one thing that there's a lot of discourse right now about circus dramaturgy. Um, and one, one thing that's interesting is to say, okay, you know, circus as an art form, it comes from these very traditional structures and way, you know, ways of doing things, act, 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 and all these, you know, these kind of structures. Contemporary circus, those who are really on the forefront of experimenting with it, have thrown almost all of those rules, the old, really stayed old traditions, out the window. And um, they have started from pretty much scratch. Uh, And so in a way, some of the, the vitality I think that you've seen has been this kind of open, like virgin terrain approach and just saying, well, we have all these skills, we have our training, we have our identities, um, you know, we have the ability to kind of conjure um, magic, literally or, you know, visually or, you know, these, these components that no other art form have like risk, physical risk and um, manipulation of objects par excellence and, and, and things. And, you know, of course, there's a little bit of theater in there, there's a little bit of dance in there, music certainly, but um, the dramaturgy is really, if you throw out the structure of the old circus, you really have nothing remaining and you really can, you know, you have building blocks that you put in different, different, different uh, configurations and see what comes out. And that, that makes circus actually like one of the most um, uh, exciting, I think, uh, experimental art forms right now, partly because um, the building blocks that they have are not boring. They're really engaging in themselves. So like these skill displays and um, the intimacy between performers and the, the objects, the fact that you can make any object and manipulate it strangely or balance it. Those kind of building blocks that they're working with are engaging in themselves inherently. And so then the question of experimenting with those is different from um, uh, the building blocks of other art forms. It's a pretty good starting spot. And the more adventurous you consider it, the more exciting what comes out. I agree with you. I think that the circus is probably the most daring art, contemporary art form, certainly the art form of the 21st century. Um, I'm just desperately worried about its survival and how how it's going to be, how it's going to sustain itself because the personalities of the artists that I've encountered are, are so uplifting and, and so expansive in what they want to do and what they want to try to do. 
um, the young, uh, the artist Fanny Soriano, I think I'm pronouncing her name correct, from the company in Marseille, the Better War. Um, she's amazingly art, not amazing, that's the wrong word, that's being somewhat condescending, but she, she's very, very, very articulate about the source of her art um, and where it's coming from, where it's going, um, and what she can do for herself, for her artists, as well as for audiences. And it seems that um, we're coming to a screeching halt. And um, what do you, how are you, how is, how are you and Tohu um, supporting artists like Fanny? I mean, literally, I, uh, literally and figuratively. I mean, not just Fanny. Fanny's amazing. She's coming to the Castor Theater next spring. I'm excited. Um, we'll have a chance to talk with her as well in a podcast. Um, oh, great. You know, <laughs> you know. Um, and we're going to forge forward, you know. Um, um, I just wonder, but you have, a, you have a structure. It is called MIC. What is MIC? Oh, um, tell, me about, is, tell us about Mick and what, what Tohu is cooking up and doing and has done and will do. Okay. So the, the, um, the first thing that happened to us with the lockdowns, like everyone, was um, the necessity of canceling things. And, um, you know, for all the different reasons. So international mobility restrictions and, you know, re restrictions on assembly and all these things. So that was, that was first like us cleaning up our you know, ours is dealing with our own immediate problems uh, and what we couldn't do that we had planned, including canceling our giant festival. Um, and then the question has been, um, you know, what are we going to do instead? Uh, is everything, you know, given that Tohu has a mission to uh, support contemporary circus, support the discipline, um, you know, what of our programming that we had can be meaningful delivered now and how do we and and what do we need to sort of pivot in other directions well, the, in order to be meaningful let, now let me then, interrupt you just for a minute because i want to i want to back up there are there is a festival that tohu presents produces. Or produces and presents in montreal annually um yeah. in july am i right correct and then within the context of that, there's also a marketplace, mm -hmm. if that's the right word, in which um, circus artists come and present their ideas and, and, it's, and, and offer the opportunities for the likes of me to be enthralled and to invite them to perform, also to make work, to co-commission work. Um, and this is invaluable to uh, contemporary artists because it gives them as well they and they deserve to be recognized um you know it, collectively um but that's under some threat needless to say because there's no congregation there's no festival structure but there is a mission and that's where you were going you know, and the mission is is still looking forward but how are you supporting the artists so toho's mission is to support uh, the contemporary circus discipline and to build an audience for contemporary circus. So the various means that we've done that used in the past, most of them are unavailable to us right now. And so the question is, what do we do instead to fulfill that mission? So, 
and then so one the one of the first things I did was seeing that we couldn't do the festival as planned, but seeing that we had this market and the market had a lot of value for as a, as a point of encounter, and that also what happens at our market is you know artist pitches, um, artist pitches, uh, uh, workshops. Um, panel discussions, kind of networking, these different components of things that many of them would have value online. And I reach out to you and to other colleagues to say like, what would you think of if we made this into a digital platform instead, you know, given the absence of our market this summer, the response was universally very, very positive. And so this is what we've been working on kind of building an architecture for um, since then and hoping in the next three or four weeks to start launching regular programming um, based on those kind of and how would, how would the elements of the original market. Would it manifest itself online, so to speak, or um, how, how would it be represented, the programming um, itself? So basically, in the, in the live market, it was a four-day gathering um, in which uh, we had a day program for professionals, and that included these elements I just said, pitches, artist pitches, Talking, artists talking about their work in small snippets to make their work, put their work on your radar screen as a presenter. Um, and then uh, uh, panel discussions about topics. My focus was how do we integrate uh, circus into relevant discussions uh, that are uh, common to the performing arts more broadly because circus often has kind of a, operates in a bit of isolation. So how do we, how do we integrate those, those concerns? Um, and then, um, uh, workshops uh, on sort of practical matters. Um, and then we also have working groups um, of, you know, presenters who, who have things in common, people who play the same role in their different organizations, um, organizations that have, have maybe their size in common, anyway, different points of affinity working together. So these, these components are what we're going, we're, we're basing our program for the online mic in on. And that's going to, uh, we'll do once a week, one of those things kind of. Well, as we, one of the things that I'm, I'm, there are many reasons why I wanted to have this conversation that, on the talking cure with you, but one sort of underlying uh, goal is for anyone listening to understand the scale of circus today. That it is not isolated, that it is extraordinarily large and expansive and worldwide. Uh, from, it's from South America, it comes from Australia, it comes from Africa, comes from Western Europe, Eastern Europe, um, the United States as well. Um, and that the, I'm always looking for, at least now, because the doors of the Castor Theater are closed. Um, looking for ways of continuing to connect artists and audiences and to, and to bring more people to the understanding of what an extraordinary cornucopia of creativity is in our, in our lives today. Right. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm hoping that the listeners, people who are listening to the conversation will get a, a feeling for what's happening in, in, in Montreal and what you're doing and that uh, they too um, can check in with um, the marketplace mm -hmm. of performance and ideas in circus. I mean, I, I just think we have such an opportunity to bring more people into 
the mix into this wonderful world of circus that, that you're in the, at the heart of, even though we don't really have a methodology for doing performances yet. Mm. So one thing I'm particularly excited about is that we, it, when we did our pitches live, it was very much about, you know, you have a show, you would like to tour it, pitch the show, and you will, you know, and, and you will be, in, be considered for touring it. What we've done now is to recognize that, you know, circus for its various special needs, which we've discussed, um, may not be the first thing, a full, full length show with technical complexity and, you know, big spectacle may not be the first thing that will get, you know, booked right now. Um, so we've expanded the categories to what artists can propose. So one thing we've said is, you know, you can propose a, a, wor a work to tour that, that's an art, the, the, what we fe fe featured in the past. But then secondly, we've said, um, propose a work that just needs residency time. So for example, a theater who um, is not able to connect artists with audiences could, could host, once, once artists can get together in a group, they could host a residency development period, even if it's not open to the public, um, and, and stay connected that way. Um, and of course, that out of that can, could come broadcast opportunities. Um, secondly, um, we've, we're inviting artists to propose uh, responses, to, artistic responses to the current circumstance. So it's an idea forum for them to say, hey, I came up with something. Here's what I think we would like to do. And that's an opportunity for, um, for us to learn from artists what, what, you know, artists are always creating things from nothing. That's their job. So... That well, artists, you know, we need to hear from them. Nothing, artists uh, know that every day is an opportunity to walk through a wall. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing, uh, so, you know, this one just happens to be a very big and firm wall. I, I, did, I, wanted, I told Natalie that I would, I would tell you this because before we started this program, Natalie and I were talking about circus. And Natalie is the producer of the Talking Cure podcast and Natalie Romero Marks. And um, she said, what about um, drive-in circus? Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah, so that would be in one example. Right. That's what I'm I, I was saying. I was talking about circus takes up vertical space. So, but of course, in our discussions at Tohu, we're talking about, you know, maybe we need to privilege the family, the family circus troupe, right? Because they live <laughs> together. So they've been training this whole time together. Or a couple who's a hand-to-hand yeah, exactly. -hand balancing couple. They've, you know, because a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of uh, artists who depend on large uh, equipment have not had access to it. Or if they depend on other people who are not in their family or household, they haven't been able to connect with them. And these are, you know, these are these are challenges facing uniquely facing circus in a way. Well, I mean, I think any athletic um, art form includes a. You know, well, I think circus has the opportunity, I mean, certainly in good weather, to be outdoors in outdoors, ways that exactly. the other art forms don't, mm -hmm. um, not, not quite naturally. Um, those of us who have theaters, you know, are busily running around trying to figure out um, how to deal with a physical space, which is limited to the number of people that can come into the space. Um, and we're wrestling with that. And there, there will be different ways of building bridges to a new normal. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but, but certainly we need to do new models. And, and um, 
you know, we don't quite, I think this is the thing that's facing presenters. We don't know what, what cards we're going to have available to us next year. And so it's hard to, you know, make plans based on a situation that we don't know. Yes, but circus, but this, but circus artists that I know and have known depend on themselves at the core. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, clearly a lot of art forms, you know, and circus in, in parts of the world are very dependent upon um, government support. There's no two ways about it. Um, and I think that's going to be challenged. I mean, challenged in the sense that there's going to be fewer resources available because so many other people are going to be needing resources. And, mm. But um, I'm, I'm excited by what circus will invent. I am too. And, and I have to say, it does boil back down to, you know, the, com- the countries, circus already was so complicated to nurture that the countries that have nurtured it are countries with very advanced cultural policy programs. Mm-hmm. And those countries, and I, I will say pro- uh, Canada as a country, but Quebec also as a province, you know, being exposed to the language around this is, has been inspiring compared to uh, what I've heard in the U.S. So, for example, uh, the idea, first of all, the idea that, um, uh, you know, the message has been, we have your back. We know you're in a, you know, we know that you're important. We know that you are in a crisis and we have your back. You're going to be okay is the message that people are getting. And that's, uh, you know, pretty I, good. I, I, I don't, I, I do not want to go into my own political um, observations about what's happening in our country. Um, so we'll just uh, segue off that topic. I could, but I have to say the French government um, has been very supportive of the French artists that, um, Peak performances will present next year. We've been mm-hmm. uh, we've received a grant from the from the French Embassy um, through its French American Cultural Exchange um, to present two French artists, so one from Marseille and another from La Réunion, which is an island off of Madagascar. Um, Are they circus artists, both of them? <laughs> that's up to you know they're 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 artists well they're both circus artists yes yes yeah i know that's great <laughs> absolutely they're both circus artists yeah um and uh you know i'm very excited about it. but it but i was um heartened by getting a note from the embassy saying um yes you know in the, this, this time of real crisis we're, we're going to support what you're doing and we're we have a two-week mini festival slated for April, and I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the Bête War is heading to Montreal. I'm, you know, that's, that's the plan. I mean, you know, we can't do these things without leaders like you, that's for sure. Um, so I want to thank you for joining us today. It's really thank inspiring. You for, thank you for having me. <laughs> you're, 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 you, you did half of it yourself. It's good. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very, we have a good fluency going on. It's good. So thank you very much. Good luck. And, uh, you know, um, we will um, see you again. Watch this space. We'll, it will all, you know, when you take the, the, the systems, the market for circus has suffered a lot, like all the touring markets. Um, so well, w- we're looking at a, you know, we're looking at a, you know, we're looking at what are the little, um, plants that will 
start to bloom and, and grow out of the out of the cracks and there and circus is very malleable and very uh, you know it, it, it offers a lot to that it does kind of it's huge it's, it's huge it's very exciting it reminds it reminds me a great deal of my first experiences with postmodern dance many years ago when postmodern choreographers like Trisha Brown and David Gordon and Lucinda Childs and others were deconstructing contemporary dance because they found it to be too emotional, too, too story-driven. Um, Twyla Tharp. Uh, now I, I see circus artists that are going, uh, looking, at, looking inward for their emotional veracity and truth and coming up with spectacles, awesome work. Absolutely awesome work. What we can do is, and once you know what you're doing with uh, the marketplace and anything else you're doing, we can link that with this podcast. That would be great. That'd you be know, terrific. and um, I, the, uh, as I told Natalie, um, you know, we may, uh, we'll bring the visual elements in that you sent me uh, this morning. We can, so, you know, we're going to do our part to support what you're doing at Tohu. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Have fun. <laughs>